what we crave is this genuine message and just this honest connection, whether it's a brand or even people too. I mean, who likes connecting with a liar that you don't know if it's telling you the truth or not? And so I think that not only is it good for the audience to connect with, but I think it's also good for you too. I think that if you try to put out something that isn't representative of who you are or what you believe in or what your values are, I think it's going to affect the soul out of you, to be honest. Welcome to The Profitable Table, fed by Woolco Foods, the nation's first podcast devoted to the business and lifestyle of the hospitality industry. Now, here's your host, Woolco Foods CEO, Stephen Toberoff. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Profitable Table, fed by Woolco Foods. I am your host, Stephen Toberoff. And today I'm super excited to talk to my guests because I love their website. I love their concept. And they're, you know, this is my first time having the pleasure to have an in-depth conversation, but everything that's communicated to to me about this company and this brand is is really um very exciting. So let's just jump right into it. I want to introduce my guest today. It is Lloyd Artoiste. He is the co-founder and chief executive bear of Bonanas here in Jersey City, an amazing company making desserts, uh, banana pudding, and other desserts. Lloyd, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Thanks for having me on. I'm uh, super excited to be here. Me too. I read on your website, and your website's amazing, the backstory and the serendipitous event that led to, to the founding of Bonanas. But if you wouldn't mind, can you tell us a little bit about sort of yourself and, and how you came to, to Bananas, starting it and, and all that process in the beginning? <laughs> sure. When you say that the beginning was serendipitous, I think that's the perfect word for it. At the time, in 2014, I was in school trying to well, I was really trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. I was in school for getting my bachelor's in psychology. I wasn't a bachelor. I was dating uh, Trisha, who is my now fiance. And we co-founded Bounyanas completely by accident. Our car had a little bit of a dent from a hit and run. And we needed to raise money to fix our car. And we took to Instagram with the hashtag Bounyanas to try to spread the word that we were selling our take on banana pudding. And from then on, friends, strangers, friends of friends, they found out about the hashtag. They spread the word. They bought our new take on banana pudding. And next thing we knew, we had a business on our hands and uh, just kind of had to figure out how do we juggle this with school? Do we take this thing? Full time as two people without business backgrounds, how do we start and run a business? So, Lloyd, I'm curious, what was the impetus behind banana pudding? Because I'm assuming you you have a love of food, but to settle on that particular option, what was <laughs> sort of the backstory in that? I'm just curious. Ah, uh, that's a good question. So, you know, we always used to drive to New York City for banana pudding. Being in Jersey City, it's around a 15-minute drive, and there's a lot of good spots in New York City for banana pudding. But we were sick of the drive, the toll, the parking. And so years before we did this Instagram fundraiser, Trisha found a way to make her take 
on banana pudding or instead of using box jello, we actually do our new version of lechaflan, which is a Filipino dessert. And instead of pudding, it now became a light, fluffy mousse. You know, we would take this vanilla mousse, of course, we would layer it with vanilla wafers and sliced bananas as the classic banana pudding recipe goes. And we would bring it to family and friend potlucks, you know, like Thanksgiving, Christmas, things like that. And people would always grab it as they're getting the turkey and the mashed potatoes <laughs> because they knew they didn't reserve some of our, you know, new take on banana pudding with their entree that it would be completely gone by the time dessert came around. And so when the fundraiser came along, it was actually a friend of ours that suggested that we sell our take on banana pudding to raise the money, which to preface that was only because I decided to whip up a big batch of this stuff as an excuse to invite friends over being so busy with school and my part-time job. It was months before I saw any of my friends. I made this random batch to invite friends over to catch up and hang out. And the idea just came. And then, you know, the fundraiser came, then the business. And it's crazy to think about. That's (laughs) so cool. When I was researching this podcast and I was looking at the testimonials on your website and you know, your website is really super engaging and I, I was having a lot of fun on it. But as I was researching, I noticed that oh, you thanks. you guys were at Smorgasburg, which another one of our customers has also participated in that, a great uh, company called Home Freet in New York City. And, yes. yes. And oh, he, was, he was actually a guest on an earlier podcast. So I would love to know, Lloyd, was sort of Smorgasburg the first way that you got this out to the general community? Or what was the evolution like once you realized that you had something special on your hand? How did you go from that to opening up your brick and mortar? Mm. That's a great question. Um, Stephen, you are, you are asking the best question. Well, I love it. I, when I, when I, I'm so fascinated by it and I appreciate that. But I, I, I want to yeah. learn about your business because everything about it is really... Uh, captivated my attention. And like I said, when I was reading these testimonials, and I know from speaking to others, the journey from the concept to the brick and mortar really fascinates me. So I I would love to know more about that. Absolutely. At the time, so this is 2014, March was the fundraising beginning. By January 2015 is when we became an LLC. And we realized that this is something we wanted to do on the side with school and our part-time jobs. And so the focus was how do we juggle college classes, my part-time job, part-time jobs actually, and the business. And so first we began with farmer's markets, pop-ups, you know, anything we can do as a one-off so that it's not too big of a commitment. That's how we got our start uh, in Jersey City. There was a thing called Pacific Fleet. That was our second pop-up after uh, the pop-up in Lincoln Park for the Filipino Independence Festival. And so we did that for about a a year. In that year, also, we started wholesaling to cafes and restaurants because what we realized is that if we have classes Monday through, you know, let's say Thursday, Friday can be our production day, and then we can deliver it that Friday evening. And having a consistent production schedule and delivery schedule is something that we could do while juggling our classes. And so that's what the route that we did. We also had an online store where 
not only did we deliver those wholesale orders, but we also delivered to people's homes too. Now, the end of 2015, December 2015, was when we set our eyes on Smorgasburg. Now, Smorgasburg, for anyone not in New York City or New Jersey or the East Coast, that is the big show of food vendors on the East Coast. It is New York City's biggest outdoor food market. It is the talk of the town. You know, that's where food trends begin. And so... We were like, why not? You know, we'll take classes Monday through Wednesday. We'll have like a big load on our class schedule. Thursday, Friday, we'll be in production. Uh, and then Saturday, Sunday, we'll be at Smorgasburg. And we applied. We got the call. We went in for a tasting. They loved it. They approved us. And we were like, whoa, we really have something special on our hands. At the time, um, you know, a storefront is a huge commitment. But at the beginning, especially if maybe this is like a side hustle or a side hustle slowly growing into the main hustle, to build out a storefront requires so much money, so much dedication and time also. And so the way we found to get around that was we found commercial kitchen space in one of our wholesale partners where they had a big kitchen there was a small section that they didn't really use. It was probably 10 by 10. And in that small space, we would make liners and liners and liners of bananas that we would then take on the weekends. And we sold out for a lot of the first weekends. And it was just an insane thing where it was really our first taste of a, well, A, a New York City market and B, just that this thing was really something special that we should probably really consider spending more time on and and growing it. That's so cool too, because again, I want to sort of emphasize in case it slipped past for our listeners, you're doing all this while you're taking a full-time class load. Correct. Yeah. I, I realized early on that the two resources that we have in starting any business is time and money. And we didn't have the money. But we had some time. Now, there were some things that were non-negotiable. And for listeners out there, maybe a non-negotiable is taking your kids to school or maybe maybe it's the job that you have now. And so the things that were negotiable was when we took our classes, was when we could do production days, was where we go to market. And so with the time and whatever little money we had and the profit that we made, because it was a bootstrap operation from day one, we just had to find ways to use that time and use that money in a way that we felt brought us the best return on an investment. That's such a powerful lesson, you know, and I I think about that a lot because occasionally I'll speak to someone and they'll talk to me about something that they want to do, but then they say, well, I don't have the time or they'll have some other excuse, but it really is just that an excuse because if they were to really look at how they spend their time and how much time they spend binge watching a, a certain series or doing anything, that, that time could be repurposed. And I really have a lot of respect. I can relate somewhat because I, I had to get involved in this at a time when I was still in law school. And I think when you have two things going on that really are demanding of your time, I feel it kind of sharpens your focus to a very high degree so that when you're engaged in whatever activity you're in, you really have to give it your most because you know that the amount of time you have allocated for it is limited. And I, I somehow think that translates into a, a more high-powered result, oddly enough. So it's 
it's kind of a cool thing how that works out, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think you put it best, you know, where we sleep, if you're lucky, six to eight hours a day. And then if you have a job, that's another eight hours. So that's 16 hours out of a day already, um, you know, taken care of. And so with the remaining time, and it's not easy. There's a lot of habit building and a lot of systemizing that needs to happen. And as they say, Rome wasn't built in a day and that it was bananas or habits that I needed to take up to become the CEB, as I like to put it, that I am today. And it's a never-ending journey to just be better and to be okay with being imperfect too. Because I would be lying if I said every day, every morning routine, every week, I go by the perfect schedule. That's very far from the truth. But I think what does remain is this idea that there's bigger goals and there's uh, values that we have as a company um, that Trisha and I both have as leaders in our company and also for us too as people. Like we're, we're very family oriented. We're very quote unquote work-life balance is a, is a phrase you want to use. Just it's not always just about work. And if these priorities and values are clear to you, then you can build a schedule um, that helps re- reflect that and helps you achieve goals that reflect that also. I really like what you were saying. And I was thinking as you were speaking that because I appreciate your, you know, your candor and it's the same for me. And I think it's the same for anyone that's honest. Not every day is, is going to be perfect and not every day is necessarily the best, but I'm a huge believer in consistency. And as long as you keep at it day in and day out over time, you're pushing yourself towards those results. And the other thing I was thinking about as I was listening to you, because when I was reading again on your website, I know that one of your hobbies that you listed was um, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And, and I would <laughs> yeah. imagine that, that, that being a practitioner of martial arts has to be exceptionally helpful in building and running a business and being a leader because that type of a discipline forces you to be a leader of yourself first through self-discipline, right? Yeah, absolutely. With business, you're always going through adversity. You're always getting humbled, much like in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. You're always going through adversity. You're always going to you're always getting yourself humbled. Probably one of the biggest carryovers from BJJ is just this student mindset. You know, like in Jiu-Jitsu, even if you get your black belt, there's still so much more for you to learn. And in business, also. Like, look, like when I started, I, again, I had no business background. You know, a lot of it was just having a student mindset, a growth mindset of everything can be developed. Everything can be learned if you have the right attitude and you put the effort into learning. Even today, I still know there's so much that I don't know. And, and I just have a, an, an enthusiasm and a curiosity, uh, in learning whatever I can to, better our team, the better, uh, and to also better our company too. I think everything you're saying is so correct. And then I'm really, uh, inspired by it because I, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, I think learning is a never ending process and I think it's very important that leaders of organizations are communicating the emotions of enthusiasm and, and optimism and those types of things because a negative attitude or sort of a cynical attitude really permeates an organization in a very bad way. And I think 
sometimes, and it's hard when you're a leader because we all go through things and, you know, there's challenges, what have you. But I think it's really incumbent upon leaders to put forth that that enthusiasm, that forward-looking, and, and that's really cool. So let me ask you, Lloyd, so now you've, you've got the brick and mortar. What were some of the decisions that you made early on? Because I can, again, see from your website, you've got a really cool selection of items. Obviously, once you go from being at Smorgasburg to a brick and mortar, you have to expand your offerings. What was some of the thoughts that went into it in terms of how you felt you had to evolve once you made that leap and, and opened up your storefront? Yeah, our biggest thing with building this store was scalability. Now, since day one, I knew that storefronts, they had their pros and cons. I knew that if we were too dependent on just foot traffic or just a brick and mortar, that we're going to be limited to a lot of environmental factors. I mean, take a look at what just happened in, in 2020. With the pandemic, it was such a dramatic impact on anyone that has a brick and mortar. And so early on, that's why we developed a multifaceted operation with markets and events, catering, wholesale, and, uh, you know, smorgasbord. And this way, we're diversifying our income. Uh, we also have e-commerce and nationwide shipping also. But this way, in case one of them takes a big impact we still have other avenues to generate the revenue. So that was definitely number one in terms of where exactly are we going to build because scalability and being able to grow all of these operations that we have, which I consider all different businesses with their own separate P&Ls under the umbrella that is Bananas, I knew that we needed a space that can not only solely rely on the foot traffic of the brick and mortar, but that can 10x our you know wedding or corporate catering, that can 10x our wholesale operation. And that's exactly what we found at Bowman's HQ here in Jersey City. You know, that's really cool because I think what you're saying, and you guys were ahead of the trend, but I think it's going to be something that's going to be much more relevant going forward is as people have learned the lesson of what we've gone through in the past year, I think people are going to understand that it's great to have, and this goes for a restaurant, a bar, a bakery, what have you. It's great to have that brick and mortar because it gives you an opportunity to engage with the community in a certain way, but you absolutely want to leverage your brand or your platform so that you have multiple ways of engaging with the community and expanding your footprint outside of just the brick and mortar. And the fact that you did that from the beginning put you in a great position. Now, another question I have, because I was looking, your social media is terrific. And there's a saying by Peter Drucker, which is about, about business. And he said that all business is innovation and marketing. And so my question is, the concept being centered around banana pudding is really, I, I think, very cool. And I, I love concepts that are hyper-focused. To what extent do you think that your social media presence has evolved from bananas? Or to what extent do you think that the way you're executing on social media is helping to to reinforce and, and sort of expand the brand, if that makes any sense? You know, it's almost like a which came first, the chicken or the egg concept here. <laughs> I think social media, I mean, without social media, Bounyanas would have never got a start, right? Social media, it's free and it's a way for you to engage, one of many ways for you to engage 
and to capture your audience and connect with your audience, which I think is the most important thing. And for us, it's how we got our start on Instagram with our, our little hashtag. And what we found is that who we resonate with the most are people that want to connect with a brand that actually genuinely cares for you. And when I say that, you know, one question we always ask is like, what are you bound in it for? What are you passionate for? Do more of that. And this is your treat to reward yourself for doing whatever it is that you're bound in it for. And at a time when it can be really difficult to do the things that make you happy or to be so caught up in what you think you should be doing or when you might be so worried about what other people are doing. We try to center people on that simple question, like, what are you bound in it for? Who are you bound in it for? Right? And on social media, like, you know, me personally, like, although I would be going jujitsu, I also used to be a hip hop dancer creatively for most of my college tenure, which is longer than I like to admit. Dance is such a huge part of my life. And we recently just did a video of like me and, and my two friends that I grew up with dancing within our space. And it's something completely different. You know, it's something that no other, at least as far as I've seen, like no other restaurant or dessert shop has done and and it's something that people like really like and because it's just you know i think if there's anything we try to communicate is just this authenticity and just this celebration of again whatever it is your bounty is for go out and do that there's so much there and first of all it really comes through because i saw that video on instagram it's one of the best pieces of content i've ever seen on social media <laughs> it's it's awesome but you know what i was thinking as i'm listening to you is like now everybody is trying to get attention through social media i think people now who didn't really understand it it's becoming more and more widely understood today. And so what's going to be a differentiating factor going forward is the quality of the content. You know, at some point, the quality will matter. And I think that's already happening. But the other thing I was thinking about as you were speaking with the concept of what are you bonanas for? um, Who are you bonanas for? I love people who use social media to inspire. So for example, I love your social media. I love David Goggins. Um, yeah. you know, Cameron Haynes. People who post yeah. <laughs> people who post on social media things that inspire because so many people use social media to either portray a certain lifestyle or to to flaunt certain aspects of their life. And it's really it's really somewhat egotistical and and somewhat insecure. And what I would love to know a little bit more about, and I think the audience would as well, because a lot of our listeners are aspirational and starting a business and all of that. And you just said it so well, using social media to connect. It's my belief, and I'm curious to know your thoughts, Lloyd, that the way you connect is exactly what you said through authenticity. Don't try to present something, just be yourself and present that in the most engaging and honest manner and it'll connect with people. But I'd love to know, you know, your thoughts. If someone's starting out, how they can sort of use that social media tool. What is the best way to start from the just beginning of using those tools to really begin to get brand engagement? Mm. So, you know, authenticity, number one, for sure. Everything doesn't need to be perfect. You know, like I, I recently just started doing a bi-weekly catch-up, kind of like a, a video newsletter of what's going on at Bounty and I bought a microphone for 20 bucks that has a red 
little um, fuzzy thing, whatever those things are called, you know? And I mean, I'm not here to pretend like I could afford something more because I, I couldn't, you know? And, and I, and I, and I embrace that. And people actually get behind that, which is, which is really cool to see, you know? And I think that in a world where we're constantly getting ads, we're constantly trying to get sold to. And, and a lot of times we feel, I think, very untrustworthy or we don't trust people that try to sell us things. What we crave is this genuine message and just this honest connection, whether it's a brand or even people too. I mean, who likes connecting with a liar that you don't know if it's telling you the truth or not? And so... I think that not only is it good for the audience to connect with, but I think it's also good for you too. I think that if you try to put out something that isn't representative of who you are or what you believe in or what your values are, I think it's going to suck the soul out of you, to be honest. And for me, it's, it's been a little therapeutic. You know, I've shared about the struggle we had at the pandemic. I shared about how if it wasn't for the EIDL and the PPP, these uh, stimulus packages targeted for small business. I shared that without those, I don't think we would have survived, you know? And it was a scary thing to share, but I found that people gravitate towards that, you know? And so there's two things I would say for anyone out there that are, even if you're just starting and you have two followers and it's your mom and your dad and your dog, maybe you got three followers, consistency and authenticity if, if you just keep at it at one point we had one follower you know and and that was six years ago and so if you just keep doing those two things people will connect with you and people want to will want to follow in your journey as a brand as an entrepreneur and as a person I think that's so well said and I completely agree with you and I think that that's what makes it your social media and anyone's social media that's honest and authentic, that's what makes it a go-to location because you're giving people value. And of course, there's all those wonderful things that come along with it. And I think that's perfectly said. So let me ask you this, Lloyd, now that you've, you know, you've had this amazing brand, you have this amazing engagement with the community, now as you're scaling your brand, how do you decide whether or not to incorporate additional offerings that are not banana pudding. In other words, you've, you've done something which every business is desperate to do, which is build real engagement with their consumer, with their fans, with, with people who are engaging with bananas. So obviously now that you have that engagement, you have the opportunity to offer additional items, whether it's swag, whether it's different menu items, whether it's whatever it would be. How do you decide what items to offer and, and layer onto the brand? Or do you just say, you know what, the time isn't right for that? Or what is your thought process with respect to those dynamics? Yeah. So number one would be, how would I feel if I put the Bananas logo on that? Right. This is something that Bob Iger, the CEO of Disney, once talked about, I think, in, in one of his purchases of some channel or something, I have no clue, but he envisioned the Disney logo on whatever it is that he was considering acquiring. And, and, and just he just was observing how he felt about that. So, for example, over here at Bounty HQ, we started offering Pundabout, which is 
Uh, we take fun to sell, which is like the national bread of the Philippines. And we have different things like a white truffle aioli chicken salad. We have a uh, kimchi cheese spam slider as well. And for most people, you think, okay, what is this dessert company doing creating this pan de style sliders? Like it's, it's kind of left field, but, you know, in terms of highlighting our Filipino roots, in terms of serving something to the community that doesn't have too many options in hot foods, there was a lot of value behind making that decision, not only from just the sales aspect, but just from a values aspect, right? So that's question number one. And for the Pond Battles, yeah, we felt proud about putting the Bananas logo, which for anyone out there, it's a cute little bear chilling on a banana. <laughs> and so number two would be before I offer something new, is there anything that I currently have that I could turn up the volume on, right? One thing I was guilty in the beginning of Bananas, and even sometimes now I get into a little bit of falling into this trap of spreading myself too thin, where I'm going a mile wide and an inch deep versus a mile deep and an inch wide, right? Like 2017, we had wholesale catering and markets and events, and they were all pretty okay-sized operations. Now, I took the first two months of 2017 to go a mile deep on catering. I'm like, okay, I'm going to build out my, you know, my catering package. I'm going to create a marketing strategy for corporate and wedding catering. And I let the other operations run on cruise control just so I can really, really take this thing all the way down the field. And we ended up two or like maybe two and a half to three and a half Xing our sales and catering, which for us, it's a low cost of goods, cost of labor operation with, with high profit margins. Before you create a new product or a new service, if you're currently, you already have a product or a service, focus on what you're doing well, turn it up as loud as you can. And, you know, if you're feeling good about that and you want to put that on cruise control for a little bit so that you can start and grow something else, um, that's the route that I would take for any for any aspiring or, or for any just um, current entrepreneurs out there that are considering introducing something new. I really, I really like that, and I can, I can really relate to that too because there's such a power in being able to focus, you know, and to focus your energy and your attention on one task. And I think sometimes as entrepreneurs. I can relate to what you're saying. I've got so many different ideas that I want to pursue. But at the end of the day, I have to ask myself, like we talked at the very beginning, there's a limited amount of time. Time is a resource. What's the best way to use it? And I think focus is something that is becoming a much more necessary and valuable skill as we have more and more things that distract our attention, if you can actually really focus and bear down and be consistent, and then you pick your head up after 12 months and you've 3X'd what you're doing, that doesn't happen without laser focus and, and consistency. And you're right, doing that might be better than doing a 10% thing on on eight other items that you could work on, you know? 100%, yeah. And in the year 2021, the internet is a double-edged sword. A lot of my early lessons and self-taught business acumen was 
through books and through the internet, you know, things like online classes. But at the same time, that same internet is also where you can spend five hours on YouTube uh, watching unboxings or cat videos, you know? Um, And so I I totally get it. And again, it's, it's a growth mindset thing where if you have trouble with focusing or, you know, you're guilty of task switching, which I know I am sometimes, it takes time to build up little habits and just ways to be able to laser focus on whatever the biggest thing you can do that makes the biggest impact on the business. So this has been such an enjoyable conversation. And there's one question I really want to ask you before we we end our conversation. It's the following. Your whole journey in Bonanas has been... um, it's been exceptional and it's really been fascinating how it went from the serendipitous event of the of the the car to to Smorgasburg to here. You're obviously an extremely thoughtful person and you're excellent in execution. Where do you see Bonanas in five years? Are, are you somebody that likes to plan out that long in, into the future? Or do you have a different sort of methodology in terms of how you project where you're building this? Because obviously you've got an amazing brand and it's scaling, and it's unique, and it's being reinforced beautifully by everything you're doing. I'm just curious what what your sort of thoughts are five years out where you envision this brand. First of all, let me just say thank you for the extremely kind words, Stephen. You know, I, I definitely enjoy this conversation. It's always a fun time to be able to talk shop with someone who also shares the same values in business. And to answer your question, I'm a firm believer in creating a North Star that you work towards not only just business-wise, but also life-wise too. In five years, like I can tell you what I want my ideal week to look like. You know, I want to be able to work anywhere. I want to be able to not be tied down to one location. I want to be able to take vacation with Trisha, who, you know, we're getting married next year. And Congratulations. Um, you know, thank you so much. It's crazy planning a wedding in the middle of a pandemic, but it's, uh, <laughs> it, it's been fun. Um, and so, you know, like all of these things, I, I, I think that for me personally, I do need to envision so that when the days get rough and I don't want to roll out of bed and work on things like that's my North star and like, that's what I'm working towards. And so, you know, in five years, I do want Bounanas to be not only in Jersey, uh, you know, we want to expand to New York. You know, I want to expand to cities that I think have a really cool food culture, places like Austin, Texas, LA is really cool. And I want Bananas to be able to be a place where people can just go to and just be Bananas, you know? Yeah. I want to be able to do the things that we do here at Bounanas HQ, like offering whatever benefits we can to part-time team members, full-time team members. We want to do business differently in terms of just culture. And, you know, like we began nationwide shipping and we certainly want to scale that too. We really like what we've done here with this multifaceted operation. And we feel like that can be done in other major cities Also, you know, like right now, I think the biggest question that we have as a company is, do we go the franchise route or the licensing route in terms of keeping everything in-house and and we open more locations in-house? All we know for sure is that we don't want to play small. 
we've bootstrapped this far and, and it's about time that we start making bigger moves and that's going to be an interesting journey to, to walk down. And our mission at the end of the day is to spread happiness. We just happen to use bananas and pints to do that. Mm. Lloyd, this has been one of the most enjoyable conversations I've had maybe ever, and I'm not being hyperbolic. I mean, I, I really, I've really gotten so much out of talking to you and um, so much of what you say, I, I completely agree with. And uh, this was just exceptional. I want to give everybody, if you're looking for these guys online, go to www.boanaanas.com. You can find them on Instagram at the same handle, Bonanas. Lloyd, what's your address in Jersey City in case people are here and they want to stop in? Yeah, sure. Um, and real quick, it's actually B-A-O. Oh, I'm so sorry. I apologize okay. for that. <laughs> B-A-O. I have my, my handwriting so horrible even I can't read it. B-A-O. It's all good. Yeah, dot com. Um, our handle is also the same exact thing, B-A-O-N-A-N-A-S. Whether you live in Jersey, New York, or wherever, we do ship nationwide now. So hopefully you get to try us out. Lloyd, this was great. And I, I look forward to seeing the evolution of your company. There's no question you're going to be and continue to be and grow the success that you've already created. And um, just an absolute pleasure. So thank you again for taking the time to speak with me. I really, really enjoyed this. Thank you as well, Stephen. This was an absolute pleasure. If you ever want to have me back on, I would love to. Oh, that's and, um, that's a must because there's so, there's there's so many things that I want to talk about. So that's going to definitely yeah. happen. Awesome, awesome, man! Thank, Thank you, you, Lloyd. So Thanks. I really enjoyed that interview with Lloyd. There was so much to learn there, and the story of how he began Bananas with Trisha and uh, the journey that they went on. Really, really powerful, really inspiring, and really so much to learn there. And if you're thinking of starting a business of any kind, that's an interview that I would strongly consider listening to again because there was so much great and actionable information there. I got a lot of great emails from everyone on the last podcast I did. And uh, I always enjoy your emails, so please keep sending them. Uh, you can reach me at steven at wolcofoods.com or you can DM me at Wilco Foods. If you like what you hear in this podcast, please give us a review. Give us a rating on iTunes. It, it really helps us out. I would appreciate it. If you know other people who would like this content, please recommend the podcast to them. That would be much appreciated. But most importantly, everyone, have an awesome, awesome day. Thank you for listening to The Profitable Table, fed by Woolco Foods. Please be sure to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. And to learn more about Woolco Foods or Stephen Toberoff, please visit us at woolcofoods.net.